ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I am Father Andrew Dickinson. And we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode or ideas for future episodes, please contact us. Father, two easy ways to do so are... You can email us using uh, the email ignition at sfcatholic.org. Or you can tweet at us uh, using the Twitter handle of SF Diocese, S-F-D-I-O-C-E-S-E, and uh, throw the hashtag Ignition on there with your question or uh, suggestion, just so we know that we're the ones you're trying to tweet at. Exactly. Um, Father, <laughs> we use that open every show. Uh, I hear my wife in the background to slow down. And, you know, I, you singers, they practice. Like, I need to practice yeah. Practice more, speaking more distinctly and slowly sometimes. You bring this up on when we have like one of the longest outlines we've ever I had know, for a show. I know, right? Exactly. Okay. Detail is good. So It um, is, because you have to be very careful about how you use your tongue you <laughs> when you speak. It's all proud of pronunciation. Because we don't want your tongue to get cut out by right. somebody. Or like, I mean, make it sound as if you have eaten your tongue. Exactly. That Say, do you know what I had for lunch today? What did you have for lunch, Father? I ate tongue tacos. No! Yes. Well, tongue taco. A tongue taco. Just one, huh? Well, yes. that, that tells us everything. You only had one. Well, I only ordered one because oh. I wanted to try a different flavor as well. <laughs> so you'd, good. you'd order it again. Tender and tasty. You know, sometimes people can have a harsh tongue, but sometimes that's necessary. It is sometimes, including people like St. Paul, who was accused by others as having a harsh tongue. He was. And we're going to talk about Paul once again in today's episode of Ignition. Yes, because we're continuing our little uh, episodic journey through the books of the New Testament. Right. We can do this for the Old Testament. I... <laughs> and uh, we'll see. Judith is pretty awesome. I'm planning on it. Okay. And uh, so we're continuing to follow through. Um, many of you might be following us with uh, your own scriptural sources, maybe, or like uh, the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible that uh, Dr. Bergwald uh, sources uh, quite a bit uh, for this. But today we're going to St. Paul's letter to the Colossians. Right. So, uh, not the Galatians. Not <laughs> what? Galoshes, like on your feet. Yes. Your shoes. But they're the Colossians, but there's Galatians. There is, but that doesn't sound as so, much like Colossians. So, so if Galatia and Colossae had kids, would they be, wouldn't they be Galatians? Oh, they'd be Galatians. <laughs> yes. And then St. Paul could have written a letter to them. I'm filled with wonder. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. That was great. Yes. So we're not talking about the Galatians. We're talking about uh, the Colossians. Yes. They didn't have children, sadly. No. And St. So. Paul didn't write a letter to them so, because they weren't real. No. <laughs> So, yes, today, uh, the letter of St. Paul to the Colossians. And so, uh, who wrote this letter? I, I think I St. Think Paul did. I think he did. Uh, so, the letter, ref the author refers to himself as Paul um, in the, both the, the opening verses and the conclusion of the letter. Um, and that was uh, accepted 
for century upon century until modern critical biblical scholarship arose. Thank you very much. In the early 19th century, actually, there is a lot to thank modern critical critical biblical scholarship for. Um, but but like many things that were believed for for millennia, um, they there started to be questions about whether or not Saint Paul wrote to to. He actually wrote the letter to the Colossians, and and frankly, un- again, understandably so. I don't want to be too dismissive um, of 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 modern biblical scholarship. Um, Saint Paul's letter to the Colossians definitely ha- Colossians definitely <laughs> does have uh, differences in style, and to some degree, theological nuance right. is different as well. Um, so, so you you can, if you just picked up St. Paul's letters, picked up the New Testament and read them independently of, of, of any history or tradition. Um, and you were trying to understand who the authors were. You might, you might wonder, well, did, did Paul really write this? Because there was the reality that people would write in someone else's name. Right. Correct. So, um, however, it, it, I think even today we have ghostwriters. Exactly. Right. But still the, the main author, the main author listed approves of what the ghostwriter writes. Right. And that's a great, yeah, great example. And so that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not written by him or that maybe he, you know, said, hey, we need to write uh, the church in Colossae and I want to talk about uh, points A, B, and C. Can you put that down? Right. You know, and someone puts it down. He's like, okay, yeah, yeah that looks right. great. Send it off. Right. Right. Um, so having, having said that, though, differences in style, differences in theolo- theological nuance, but it's still very Pauline in, in its... So even those who question whether St. Paul really wrote the letter, they still recognize that it's broadly Pauline. So usually they'll say, well, it's probably one of his disciples who wrote it. So they still see it's not so different from the rest of, of St. Paul's letters. Yeah, you talk about how there's a lot of correspondences of his letter to Philemon. Right. Uh, that Paul's in prison and that same circumstances that's a joint letter of Paul and Timothy. He has the same people around him, including Onesimus, who's the kind of main topic of the letter to Philemon. Right, right. Uh, so a lot of things that really point to Paul as the author. Right. And again, it's important with the question of authorship, the question we're about to get into, which is the dating of the letter. Our faith does not hinge on these things, right? I mean, no. We we believe we, we believe in the God and the scriptures because the church tells us to. Exactly. Saint Augustine would say exactly. There, it's it's inspired by God whether or not it was literally Paul putting pen to paper or to pen to scroll or whatever pen to parchment pen to parchment. Whether it was him or not, Vellum? it's still inspired. Right, right. So. So, but it, it can be helpful to understand because understanding the literal sense, enta- the, the basic sense of scripture entails understanding the historical circumstances. So it's important to have a good idea who the author is. Um, so historical circumstances, when then did St. Paul probably write his letter? Probably during his Before house arrest. Before he died. <laughs> Thank you for, yes. Yes. But you said during his house arrest in... Rome. In Rome. Right. Right. So 60, 62, somewhere in there. Um, and something I haven't connected to until uh, Dr. Scott Hahn and Curtis Mitch pointed it out in their introduction to um, Colossians. Um, the captivity epistles. Yeah. I've heard I've heard several of St. Paul's letters referred to. I just never took the time to understand why are they called the captivity epistles anyway? Because you wrote them when he was captive. Exactly. But okay. So a question came into my mind as you said that Paul wrote this during his house arrest in Rome. Right. Like, you know, nowadays you think about house arrest, you think of like ankle bracelets or something like that. Right. How do they keep him under house arrest? I think it, guards were stationed around him 24-7. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It seemed like it'd be easier to have like a prison. Yeah. And have him be in a prison and then you have like one guard over like eight cells right. instead of like two guards and this for is like one prison. pure speculation. I don't know. Is it because of his status as a Roman citizen? Is it because the charges mm-hmm. weren't 
sufficiently founded. I I don't remember. I don't remember why, or I would. I don't know why it was just house arrest. Yeah, that's that'd be a good question. So, um, but Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Philemon are are the ones that are known Phil as and the, Phil, known as the captivity epistles, known as Phil and Phil. Exactly. But again. Our faith does not hinge on when this was written. Correct. Our faith hinges on the fact that it was inspired by God. Exactly. Unlike this show. Unlike this show, which is Ignition, which is a broadcast uh, for uh, the um, new evangelization. We want to encourage your own growth in your faith and your ability to share our Catholic faith with others. Uh, seated, across, seated across from Dr. Chris Bergwald. Yes, you are. Hi. The Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson, and I'm sitting here wishing that someone's going to reciprocate uh, the fact that I was seated, seated across from him. And, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, but anyways uh, I'll make do. I'll make do. And uh, I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. I'm the pastor of St. Paul's uh, Parish in White, as well as uh, the Pius XII Catholic Newman Center at SDSU. Always changing things up. Well, Must be the college students you work with. You're doing things new and different all the time. Ah, uh, scoreboard. See, I have no idea what that even means. You don't know what scoreboard means? No. Nope. Let's check the score on that about how many times like you change things <laughs> up on me without telling me. True that. And I'm like, huh? uh. and so. Uh, anyways, so we're talking today about St. Paul's letter to the Colossians, and uh, if you'd like to email us, uh, if you have any questions about today's episode or suggestions for future ones or uh, recommendations for radio etiquette, uh, you can do that. Uh, email us ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you could tweet at us uh, using the Twitter handle at sfdiocese, D-I-O-C-E-S-E, using the hashtag ignition so it gets to us. Exactly. So we looked at um, authorship, date, uh, destination would be the next topic for us to look at. Colossae. Colossae. So uh, this was a city that was built, uh, what's modern day Western Turkey. Um, there's a river there, the Lycus River, that the city of Colossae had been built on. Um, this was the Roman province of Asia. So you hear about... As opposed to Asia Minor. Right. So what's the difference, Father? I don't know. Oh. I was, I was kind of asking. <laughs> Don't know. Do you know? I know. I, th I think the Roman province of Asia and Asia Minor are the same thing. Oh, okay. As distinct from what we think of as the continent of Asia. Right. right. So, uh, like in the Roman world, Asia was pretty much like Turkey, yeah. Israel, right. Syria, right. places like that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Any anything to well across the Bosphorus, I think across. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, anything east of Greece. The Bosphorus really. is the uh, strait uh, that divides. Uh, Greece and Turkey today. Modern-day modern Greece and Turkey. Yep. So Colossae uh, had, had been a thriving center of industry, but by the time that St. Paul would have been writing this letter, it had been in decline. Um, so, Father, one of the things that was interesting to me about, so the church in Colossae that the he was The Grecian Rust to, Belt? <laughs> yes, exactly. The okay. Grecian Rust Belt. Or the Turk, Turkish Rust Belt, as the case may be. Well, I mean, it's Greek culture, though. Colossae is a very Greek name, isn't it? It seems so. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to say the interesting thing about this. Paul had neither founded nor even visited. What authority does he have? Who does he think he is? An apostle? <laughs> hmm. Sorry, I, I use the inflection version. I want to say an apostle. Yes, that Not was, yes. An apostle? <laughs> so if you read, and we encourage you, by the way, as we do every time, hopefully, we air an episode looking at the, the letters and books and documents of, of, of the Bible. 
don't just take our word for it. Read it yourself. Not all the scripture around it, the document itself. So in this case, read St. Paul's letter to the Colossians yourself. It's about four or five pages long, for goodness sake. I should probably take my own advice. Whoa, what are you saying? It's been a while since I read Colossians from beginning to end. Yeah, probably for me too. So, um, I read, oh, I'm just trying to think of the last time we read it in the office of reading. So I didn't read it in one sitting, but like over maybe three or so days. Right. Right. It um, took him three days to read it. <laughs> no, over three days I read like a little bit at a time. Yes. Yep. So, um, so Paul didn't invite, visit or even found the church in Colossae. It had been, as he tells us in his letter, it had been founded by a native Colossae, Epaphras believe is the way you pronounce his name. Epaphras, uh, again, a native of Colossae, had, had uh, founded the church there. A church composed mostly uh, of Gentile Christians. Um, so uh, uncircumcised Gentiles who had become followers of Jesus Christ um, were the, the, the primary members of the church in Colossae. Yep. So uh, in, this, in this letter, uh, Paul is responding from having a visit from Epaphras. Um, do you know where that is? In does he mention the visit from Epaphras? No, where he is at the time. No, does he mention that he had a visit from Epaphras? When I think he writes so. A letter. Okay, I think he does. But uh, so that uh, Epaphras had traveled to Rome to update Paul on what was going on, and Paul then responds by writing a letter to the whole community. Um, and so uh, one of the challenges they're facing is that there's people planting doubts about their new Christian faith. We're not sure exactly who they were. Uh, when did he? Uh, when does it mention? Well, well, Saint Paul just alludes to um, as you. So this is chapter one, verse seven, uh, talking about the grace of God and so on. As you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and has made known to us your visit, your love in the Spirit. So he made known to Saint Paul what was going on in Colossae. In Colossae. So he goes and seeks out the authority of Paul and the help of Paul in that regard. Right. Very important to know so, that about it. Because about Epaphras seeking out the apostolic authority. Right. And he and Epaphras being a native he was a native of the city, but he ha, may have he'd been converted presumably or possibly by St. Paul for in some of the area right. uh, cities where Paul had founded the church. And uh so uh St. Paul writing then to help those Christians maybe having some doubts planted about their faith. I'm not sure who the planters are, could be, you know, the the sometimes un the sometimes common friction between the Jewish and the Christian communities there, um, or it could be something with maybe some of the, uh, the pagan Greeks and their right. rejection of things. Um, there is an attention to controversy over Jewish ceremonial laws, which we'll bring up a little later. Uh, but mainly Paul's seeking as he always does to encourage and to reassure, uh, especially the Gentile Christians here in Colossae about their faith. Right. That's kind of what we try to do on ignition, isn't it, Father? Rachel? If we can, <laughs> if we can, and so again, we we had mentioned earlier contact information. Yeah. Um, email is SF, uh, ignition at sfcatholic.org, and tw uh, Twitter is use the Twitter handle sfdiocese hashtag ignition. If you have questions about this episode about Saint Paul's letter to the Colossians, or if you've got ideas for future episodes of Ignition, thanks for listening. That's not the end of the show. Thanks for listening. That's just a you know. Midway oh, through. I was thanks, ready, I was thanks ready for to give a blessing and like, okay, let's go. <laughs> no, no, no. I guess no. we're done. We still want to talk about the, the themes and some of the characteristics of St. Paul's letter. Correct. 
So uh, it is a relatively unique letter uh, among St. Paul's writings. The closest parallel would be his letter to the Ephesians, um, but the style that he writes it, and, he's, it's a, and St. Paul, as we said at the outset, talking about tongues, um, St. Paul uh, was known for having a bit of a sharp tongue. He's particularly aggressive in tone in the letter to the, to the um, Colossians. Um, he's writing here a work of what you could describe and what some have described as constructive apologetics as opposed Mm. to destructive. So destructive apologetics is where you're criticizing, you're critiquing, you're attacking, um, the errors of, of the, of your enemy, if you will, of the party that you are, you're in dialogue or argument with constructive apologetics. You're building up, you're showing the truth Uh, of your own position. Um, so St. Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, is mostly clarifying Christian doctrine. So we're most, we are mostly constructive apologetics here on Ignition. We are, mo- by, by far, mostly yeah. constructive. I'd say 87.3% constructive maybe, apologetics. Maybe 0.4. I'm a little more optimistic. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Watch know, your tongue. I know. <laughs> did I mention that I had tongue taco for lunch? No? Because I did. It was good. I I, I think you did say oh, that okay. a time or two. <laughs> was, that, was that pretty well done? It was a great. Great, great little aside. Uh, so he's mostly Affirm me. Um, telling us, telling the Colossians, this is what you believe. This is what it means to be a Christian, as opposed to pointing out the errors, the faults, the fallacies of whoever the other parties are, whether it's the right. pagan Greeks, whether it's the, the the Jewish community, whoever it is. Yep. In this way, do you think that's part of the parallels with Ephesians or Ephesians? You, you have- yeah, I think so. Okay. I, yeah. Being critical. uh at, clarifying what we believe and so on. There's almost kind of think of a parallel structure. I haven't laid it out, but you know, it talks about like, it begins with like a hymn of praise right. in the first couple of verses right. uh, to the Holy Blessed Trinity and Ephesians does as well. And then has some things about what it means to live in the Christian life, including some instructions for households and families and slave owners and things like that, just like Ephesians has. Right. And then ends with an entrusting to Christ. And so there is kind of a similar outline in that regard. Right. Um, two major themes that Paul addresses in his letter th- to the Colossians. First is the supremacy of Christ. And we're going to talk about that here in a bit when we look at, particularly from chapter one. Oh yeah, note. the great hymn in chapter one. Exactly. Uh, the other though that he talks about is the completeness of Christians in Christ. And this, I remember, I'm, slow down and denunciate Christopher. Yes. Does your wife really call you Christopher? No. Okay. Would she ever? It, uh, in, in jest. Christopher. Okay. You get that. Like yep. like a mom might say to the, Christopher. Okay. My mom never said that though. Really? No. Hmm. What'd she say? Chris. Okay. Middle name? Thomas. See, mean- it has to be Christopher Thomas. No, I never got Christopher Thomas. Okay. The completeness of all Christians, even doubting Thomas in Christ. Right. Being bared by the Christ bearer. I'm reminded of of our our topic from last week, though, Father, poverty Mm -hmm. uh, and how we're all called to imitate Christ in poverty, chastity, and obedience is what we're talking about here. There, uh, this week, the completeness, we we find the fullness of who we're meant to be in Jesus Christ. Right, right. That we're called to be in Christ in that way, that Christ is all in all. It's not just a fancy song to sing in some way. Right. yeah, and it's so hard to think about that. It's, it's, I think it's so difficult in our day and age to understand how the early Christians just latched on to that completeness in Christ. There's actually a great, this is kind of a tangent. Go. But uh, 
So there's a book by a cardinal recently, Cardinal uh, Robert Seurat, who is a uh, a French-speaking cardinal from French Africa, I think Guinea. Um, I don't know how to pronounce it. But he serves in Rome for the Holy Father, for Pope Benedict Emeritus, and now for Pope Francis. And uh, you just like his radical way of living the gospel life, it's totally different from the Western mindset. When he was an archbishop in Africa, he would go and fast on nothing but the Eucharist for three days, like every couple of months. Really? Yeah. He'd do like a little retreat and just like he'd pray mass and that's all, no, no food, no water. No water? Uh, no water in Africa every couple of months. Three days in order to... Oh my gosh. Yeah. But I mean, just like here in the United States, it's like, oh, got to stay hydrated. <laughs> you know, and again, I mean, I, if you could see my 20 ounce bottle of water, but, um, and if anyone see me in real life, I'm most always drinking water. Right. But uh, yeah, just that beautiful uh, idea that they are complete in Christ and not complete by anything else. Wow. Wow. Uh, uh, Carlos Sirat, S-I-R-A-H, I believe is how you pronounce his last name or spell his last name. It's, it's spelled Sarah. Sarah, uh, S-A-R-A-H. Yep. God or Nothing, I think is the title. Yeah, God or Nothing is an English title. It's a it's an interview with a French author right. translated into English by Ignatius Press. I still haven't read it, but I've, I keep hearing great things about it. Yeah, you it. need to read it. Yep. yep. And I'll read The Imitation of Christ. Yeah, <laughs> but not before me. Oh, I don't know. So... Colossians chapter one and uh, some passages to look at chapter one verses 15 to 23, especially here. And this is about uh, the person of Jesus Christ himself and his, and his work that he has done. Um, And it's just, it's incredibly beautiful. And part of this is actually used uh, in the liturgy of the church in uh, occasional evening prayers. Oh, sure. Right. Um, On a weekly basis. Yep. Okay. So say more. Uh, about the evening prayer or about the text? <laughs> the text. Okay, yeah. So it's just, it's a beautiful praise of God. You know, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him were created all things in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, powers, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he himself might be preeminent. And it goes on, but just this, again, effusive praise of Jesus Christ. Mm. So why does that, does it, why did you, when you thought of this, so is it because you pray it weekly that you thought of it or why, why did you think of this? Yeah, week? I think a couple of reasons. One, I mean, um, to pray this is to declare yourself in the battle of this world. Mm. To pray this uh, passage is to declare yourself against any false gods, which is a dangerous thing to do. But it's the right thing to do, but it, it will lead to challenge and to difficulties and things like that of the spiritual nature. Right. Um, but it's part of, you know, just that reality that we need to be living in, consciously right. living in, purposely living in, that Christ is the ruler of all and anything else that claims authority but claims to have authority separated from Christ is opposed to him. Right, right, right. What else strikes you uh, from Colossians? Yeah, so we also talked about uh, the little, um, oh, oh, uh, chapter 1, verse 24. So right after hearing about this great humility of Christ, there's also this great passage about the voluntary sufferings, which, I mean, if we end up just ending the show, talking about this. Okay. Um, So, you know, some people wonder, like, why do you Catholic 
Christians, you know, fast? Why do you talk about offering it up? Why do you talk about uniting your sufferings or things like that? Why do you do this? Because Jesus died once. Isn't that enough? Isn't Jesus' death enough for you, Dr. Bergwald? No, it's not. It's not? Well, why do you get such a crazy and horrible idea? And why do you hate Jesus so much that you have that idea? Because some, Paul tells me to. How? Because this is, I just, I, as we're recording this, we talked about this, I talked about this with somebody last week. Mm. St. Paul says in verse 24 that I make up in my afflictions, infl- afflictions what is lacking in the afflictions of, uh, you've got it in front of you. I'm messing I up. rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking, lacking in the, the afflictions, afflictions of Christ on behalf of his body, which is the church. St. Paul says I am making up for what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. So, which is an incredible thing to say. If you, if you watched the passion. Oh yeah. If you participate in the liturgies of Holy Week, you heard the, pa- the, the, the gospel accounts of the passion. What's lacking? How dare you say that, St. Paul? My participation mm. is what's lacking. Yeah. What, what, what God inspiring this St. Paul to write this is saying is that we can join our sufferings to the sufferings of Christ. And think for a moment about why he's telling this. And I think if you go a little farther on, like uh, verse 29, it says, for this I labor and struggle in accord with the exercise of his power working within me. You know, um, so for these Christians who maybe themselves are starting to struggle or starting to meet resistance, that resistance isn't bad in the sense that um, this, well, the suffering is bad. It doesn't have to be like received in a bad way that rather you can encounter Jesus Christ through this. You are not abandoned from him. You are not separated from him. You have not failed just because you're suffering. You can find, there is a meaning in, the suffering is objectively bad. The pain is objectively bad, but you, there is a meaning in there for you to find and in so doing transform your suffering and make it salvific for the world. Yeah. You join it to Christ's suffering and it becomes part of his suffering on behalf of the world. Just recently, uh, Mother Angelica passed away. Uh, she was the founder of EWTN, the Catholic uh, television station and media empire. And uh, she talked about how she didn't, she actually uh, purposely declined a lot of pain medications at the end because she wanted to unite the sufferings of her condition uh, to the sufferings of Christ. She didn't want to miss an th- opportunity in that way to offer these up with Christ in union with him for the salvation of the world. Right. Yowza. This is a, this is a powerful teaching, powerful doctrine where everything that we encounter, all, the worst things that we encounter can all be transformed into the greatest good imaginable. And very contrary in that way to the American mindset and spirit. Right, right. We talked about that with poverty again last yep. week. Yep. That that we can say pain. Yeah, you no, it doesn't you don't have to seek out pain, but but we do do penances, the little things that we offer up. Right. And also then voluntarily making a mis- unfortunate situation into a purposeful penance for yourself. Exactly. In that regard. So, and again, but all from St. Paul and this idea of like the attitude of imitating Jesus Christ right. and encouraging the church in Colossae uh, about their own sufferings that they're experiencing. Exactly. So, so just as Jesus took the horrible pain of his passion and death and offered it to the Father for the salvation of the world, we can do the same thing when we join it to his. Exactly. Yep. Great. And that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or tweet at us, sfdiocese, use the hashtag Ignition with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. 
You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes Store. Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.